Hello again, and thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Um, this is going to be the last interview um, for 2020. Uh, thankfully, it's with an awesome guest from season one returning. Um, we have Paul Cardall on this one. And I think it's kind of fitting, actually, that we ended up saving this one for this time of year. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's the end of <laughs> a, a year where lots of people have spent grieving. And so freedom and grief. Freedom. No. Well, you could have freedom and grief, too. Freedom from grief <laughs> is this one. But, you, I mean, you can have that in grief, too, if you have, you know, the right perspective and the right people in your life. So. Yeah, uh, Paul provides an awesome perspective, both from his own experience with heart surgery, with his own health problems, with the loss of his brother, with teachings of the Savior, and this one. There's a whole lot of good stuff he mentions in here. And, yeah, through and healing through music and turning to the yes, Savior. Yes, yes. And how music can help you through your grief um, or while you're in your grief. And just knowing that the Savior's close by and he is mindful of your situation and that you don't have to walk through the grief alone. Yeah, totally. Well, it's funny coming from someone who got the Dove Award. (laughs) I mean... What I mean, what more? It's like, I think, what's that uh, verse? Obi Wise, what can I say more? Mm-hmm. Paul has spoken as a recipient of the Dove Award. He knows the power of music. What can I say more? Then, <laughs> so, um, pay attention in this episode to the ways that the things that worked for him in becoming free um, from grief, from its effects, um, whether it goes away forever or not. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like he he t- talks a little bit in this episode about how you don't always have to be permanently free, f- like permanently have an absence of grief in your life to be free from it, to have, you know, from its long term effects. You don't have to. They're not mutually exclusive things, you know, um, about what it was like his brother uh, dying within close proximity to one of his heart surgeries. Um you know, then the effects that that can have on the heart and how music helped him through that, um, especially Christ-centered music. Uh, he mentions the one of the projects, in fact, you mentioned it too in the episode, I think, about uh, the project he did with, did with David A. Bednar. Um, one by one. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I want to keep saying it's called an oratorio. I forget what that is now, but you mentioned it in the episode too. The, um, oh, Rob Gardner's. Yeah, Rob uh, Gardner's. This is mm-hmm. the Christ or Jesus the Christ. Or... Yeah. Paul Tal- yeah, Paul- so we had tried to figure out what that was. Anyways, but, it's uh, it's also uh, a lot of that music is played in the Lamb of God yeah. movie, um, Savior Redeemer of My Soul songs with that. Yeah, and speaking of that song, actually, if you haven't had a chance, go on and look at uh, uh, Jenny Oaks Baker with oh, I want to I forget the guy's name. I want to say Dallin something or something, Bayless Bayless. I don't remember. Anyways, uh, Jenny Oaks Baker did a good number with uh, a choir and an orchestra and him with that song, Savior Redeemer of My Soul. Um, yeah. So if you need something to help you be free from grief, that's a good one to listen to. Yeah. There, uh, Rob Gardner also 
that has one out for the Saints. He also has one out for um, Joseph Smith. And then there's also National Tribute also has music out yes. for, for National Tribute for Joe Smith. That one was a I, when when I could listen to it as a missionary. That one was super <laughs> powerful, and yeah. and just helping you see the bigger picture. Music has a, a way of helping you see the bigger picture of what's going on, mm-hmm. yep. and the Lord helps clarify even more by shedding light on the on the matter. Mm-hmm. And so let's all turn to him yep. and find strength in him and put on a good, good tunes and just trust that we can overcome and work our way through mm-hmm. grief and we're not alone yep. in doing so. And while we overcome or we get to that point, learn to find joy in the moment. Um, yeah. If you, if you look on the Facebook live, Colette and I actually just did, uh, uh, today, this this intro and outro is being done quite a while after we actually recorded the uh, interview. But uh, a bit of a uh, conversation there about that. Um, but something that comes to my mind, too, um, is a quote by Aldous Huxley that we didn't mention in the episode, but uh, something Paul mentioned as well about a guy who just came up and gave him a hug and didn't say anything. Pay attention to that part. It's some good stuff he uh, talks about in relation to that um, when he was going through grief about his brother. Um but the quote from Aldous Huxley goes, that which com- something like, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible after silence um, is music. And I find it interesting that he mentions silence and music there because um, of what he talks about with this one person who didn't say anything to him. He was silent. Um, just came up and gave him a hug and the effect that had on him. So, yeah, enjoy this one. I know <laughs> we, the, the, the three of us had a great time um, having the discussion Great stuff to help people bring 2020 out with a happy, with a bang, with a happy ending. Um, regardless of what's going on, there's a guy in church actually today who bore testimony about um, not, you know, about being faithful and having joy in whatever circumstances we might be in. So find a way to do that. Ask Christ for a way to do that. It's there, I promise. So here we go. Enjoy. Okay. So, um, this is going to be kind of a fun episode. Uh, I it's funny. Colette asked me, and uh, actually she was out. The, it's just with her sister today, uh, Adele today. Um, well, I was at work this morning. Adele comes back and asked the same question Colette did. How did you get Paul Cardall on? <laughs> I'm like, well, got him on last season. He responds to my emails. So there you go. Um, <laughs> fun podcast it's a great podcast yeah, thanks, anything that builds faith is uh, i'm a huge fan yeah i love it so you're doing a fantastic job yeah. thanks, so thanks for having me appreciate that yeah so yeah last year we had the uh, yours was kind of a uh, revisiting music uh someone else had done but i think it was garth smith who did the first music episode last season and then you did kind of did a, a revisit music episode there yeah so this one um I mean, let's face it, as, as has been mentioned in so many countless episodes on, on this podcast and probably hundreds of others, COVID has turned the world upside down and this episode is no different from addressing <laughs> complications of that. Um, so I guess, like we mentioned before uh, we started the recording here, um, you had, uh, I guess there's a few different angles you want to take with today's topic, freedom from grief, um, which honestly... Colette and I and you can all relate to quite well <laughs> with things that have gone on the last uh, 
I guess 18 months really for, for me yeah. and, and the last few years for you, it sounds like, but, um, I guess, can you, could you, I mean, for those, this, this reaches people all over, you know, you know, 80 plus countries. So I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there who probably aren't as familiar with you as others. So maybe do a bit of an intro for yourself. Here's Paul Cardall. And then we'll sure. go from there and get to the questions as we go. Yeah. So I, I born in Salt Lake city, uh, all of my ancestors, all of them in the 19th century came to Utah, uh, Latter-day Saints wanted to uh, leave Europe behind. They hadn't experienced America until they got to Utah. And technically, we all know Utah was the Mexican territory. So living outside of the country and then working hard to establish a state, uh, there was a tremendous amount of work ethic that was passed down. A lot of traditions, um, the religion, all of it was passed down. And so when I came into the world, I was born with only half a heart and received a miraculous heart surgery by one of President Russell M. Nelson, who was the president of the LDS Church. His, his partner, his partner saved my life. Um, so I wouldn't be alive if President Nelson had not chosen to go to Utah to do heart surgery instead of going to John Hopkins like they had recruited him and asked him to do. I don't remember if you actually so, mentioned that on the first season. I don't recall that detail. Yeah, it's the genealogy of my surgeons. Because so, <laughs> countless uh, surgeons that he had in his clinic that were his partners uh, operated on me. Conrad Jensen, Donald Doty, uh, Kent Jones. Uh, he was one of the first to create the idea of a surgical clinic where surgeons didn't have to work for a hospital. They could be mobile and work for different. So that was innovative on his part. Um, so I was raised pretty much with the idea that I might not live very long. I was always thinking about death because it was the shadow lingering over me that my parents talked about. When you're young, you feel completely immortal. You don't, you don't even think you're, you're you'll die but when you get sick when you fall and in my case when I needed heart surgery at 13 and 14 uh, I said goodbye to my family both times not knowing if I'd survive and yet God orchestrated another beautiful miracle through these surgeons and the medical people um, and then and then I started a, and then I got into music I got into music as a way to deal with life to deal with uh, friends who had died, uh, a friend of mine passed away who played piano. And so that I went in the living room of my parents' uh, house and sat down and started playing a song. I didn't know I could make music. I was so amazed by the fact that coming through me, uh, I could hit certain notes and I was, it was almost like God was just helping me. And I recognized right there, uh, in my grief that. God wanted to communicate to me like he does to so many people through music. Yeah. You know, what's funny. You mentioned that, um, Colette and I were actually watching. Have you seen, uh, you probably have the, uh, what's the, what's the movie called inside out? I think it is with the little, oh, yes, with the, yes. the little animated character inside the girl's brain. Yeah. And the funny thing you mentioned that is it reminds me of that scene where, where joy realizes that grief actually plays a role in bringing joy 
in her family to yes the the I forget the main character is now Riley I think it is yeah can't remember I think it's I think her name's Riley yeah but I'm like oh that's that's an interesting parallel okay that, that scene I'm like oh wait a minute there's a purpose to this he can work through that and C.S. Lewis when he lost his wife you know his wife had cancer he married her in the hospital I didn't and know then that she died yeah he find he'd given all these lectures on pain the meaning of pain. The meaning of life, mere Christianity, all these things, when he'd become converted to Christ uh, at, the, at, the, at the university. Well, then when his wife dies, he wrote a book under another name because he didn't want people to know it was C.S. Lewis called A Grief Observed, where he just chews God out. And then God comes back and just puts his arms around him through the conversation. He's like, why is it every time I go to go to knock on the the door for the Lord, he opens it and slams it in my face, talking about the pain that we experience. And he says, I could not know what love is, what joy is, what happiness is without going through that. You know, it's what, what those that go, you know, go through the LDS temple learn that there's opposites, virtues and vice and all these things. Yeah, no, your, your little anecdote there with that reminds me of um, like the response to God, right? Um, have you read uh, Josette Richardson Hawley's book? Uh, or actually, it's her, her her first husband Lance. His book, uh, The Message. I have read The Message. Yeah. So and then her follow up, like I've read both of them, and uh, that, yeah. that thing you said there with the reaction reminded me of how she said she reacted to being angry at God. Oh, I'm so mad at you, and then oh, I'm so mad at you, Lance, and then and Lance is like that part in the book where she's like, he just put his arms around me. He's like, okay, well, can I hold you while you're angry? Yeah. But what's beautiful about this process is people go, oh my gosh, you, you, you get angry at God? Well, <laughs> at least we have someone who it says, come to me, lay all your burdens on me, meaning don't take it out on other people. I'm here to love you unconditionally. If you want to beat up on me and get mad at me, he's saying, please, come to me lay all your burdens down you can run on the treadmill and shout you know at the top of your lungs why you know and we need to go through that or it goes deep in and then we don't feel any sense of liberation it's like numbness i mean i can imagine christ being like oh pile it on i can handle it i've had worse and he has (laughs) he's had total worse but it already happened. He already took care of it. Everything that we experience now, the pain now, there's no time, you know, relative to God's time. You know, it'd be like trying to figure out your birthday living on Jupiter. So there is no time. So it already happened. It's finished. Christ is saying it's done. So come to me. I've already finished it. I can help you. I can guide you. I can give you yeah. he's all the, the one, strengths. Yeah, he's the one who qualifies us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And and he's he's everything. So so I learned, you know. So I after learning to play the piano, I, I took a job at a restaurant. I got asked to play at um, another restaurant. People were asking me for a CD, and that evolved into a music career. And twenty five years later. Um, we have music, uh, we have 11 number one billboard albums and I, I do this with a lot of inspiration and a lot of support from people. 
Um, I just try to create music from the heart. My heart's been healed time and time again. It's been my life's work to heal your heart. And so music is the tool that God has allowed me to share with people as a resource for to be able to walk through this life a little lighter, having that music to help you. Mm -hmm. And um, we won a, a Gospel Music Association, gave us a Dove Award for our Christmas album. Uh, and I say our, even though it's my Christmas album, I say our because it's me, my wife, and everyone that's involved. Um, and so that was a big deal because I think I was the first person from Utah to get get get, get one of those awards, which is a big deal, big deal for Utah musicians. Um, so yeah, and then I've just been working on a new album called The Broken Miracle, which is my story. And that will be uh, that will be an exciting album because it has a lot of songs that dive deep into this topic of grief. And um, I can probably announce here, I've got uh, David Archuleta as a guest on the record. Um, mm -hmm. So I wrote a song for, I wrote a song for my wife that he sings. Oh, cool. And I also have, I also have Tyler Glenn from Neon Sorry, Trees who? on the record. Tyler Glenn from Neon Trees. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. So you have a very beautiful contrast there of people. And there's quite a few artists on there. And so it's going to be a, a fun project. To, I've got this 300-piece gospel choir. Wow. Uh, and it was mixed. It was written by a friend of mine, David Broughton, who wrote the... Uh, the most popular gospel music song of all time called every praise that every black church knows and sings. And <laughs> so we were, we wrote a new one called we could be kind. And, uh, it's pretty cool. Cause I just got the mix back from a gentleman named Chris Godby. And if you're in the music industry, Chris, Chris mixes all of Justin Timberlake's music and Jay-Z and wow. we had him do this beautiful gospel song and it sounds amazing amazing so wow. uh, i'm excited yeah so it's great because uh it is an album that echoes pain and joy and encourages people to fight to survive to live to do everything you can until your time is finished mm. well, you yeah, know it's, I, it's a I, motivator we're talking about the like relating grief and you know, i guess feeling lighter from that you know through music Two things come to mind. One is, um, like when you said that, 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 talking about the music expressing both, you know, pain and uh, the other side of things, you know, the happier side. Um, there was a song I used to play a lot. Like, you ever, you, I'm sure you have one of those songs that's like, you just, when you're really upset or like just lonely and isolated and feel like in the dark or whatever, you just, just this, there's, I'm sure there's just one song that you just play on loop. It's like, that's how I feel right now, right? <laughs> well, I what song is it? Oh, for, for for me, uh, it, it it's um, uh, no good and goodbye. I think it's by the script. Oh wow, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, I do for referring men of grief myself. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, so I I played that bad. one. Like, I played that one on loop because like the message there is, um, wait a minute, you know, all these people are talking about oh you're gonna be a fine, you're gonna be okay. And I'm like, there is no good in goodbye, and thanks to Jesus, it's not permanent, but. Right. Like, that's not good. If it was good in and of itself, like, 
I'm sorry, they're, they're, you know, they're the chorus, right? They're, where's the good and goodbye? Where's the nice and nice try? Where's the soul and soldier on? Where's the, and then there's a bunch of phrases like that. And um, uh, I think it was the last part. I, now I'm the low and lonely because um, I don't have you only. And anyways, um, so it's like after I, you know, Lorraine passed away last year, um, <laughs> I know there's at least one night where I just kind of looped it and looped it. I'm like, but then the, the, the kind of the contrast you were talking about, it's like you, you have somebody come in and maybe share the right song with you that's different. And it's like, okay, this music can relate to me um, where nobody else can, my music can. And now I have a song that kind of, I, I felt this now, I have been allowed to feel it, I have expressed it through music, and now I can move on because you've, like you said earlier, you kind of, it seemed like you were kind of hinting at that earlier, like you have to let, let it yourself be honest about how you're feeling let acknowledge that the grief is there, loss, loneliness, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, you don't want to take it out on anybody. You take it out on the Lord. That's why He's available to you, uh, because grief can really affect uh, the way we treat people. Yeah, because we're hurting. We're hurting, and grief, grief. You know, and we talk about grief more than death because death. There's so many levels of grief. So many levels of death because death. It's not just that you got cut off from that person. You never again will know them in a mortal flesh. Uh, when they come back, things aren't di- things are different, right? So, oh, they're totally different. It's not the same. Uh, it's like children. People grieve like I grieve my children growing up because they're never again going to be in those little stinky diapers. <laughs> they're never again. You know, uh, Natalie Merchant sees, sings the song about um, trying to, uh, her. she sees her little girl and her little girl's dancing and she's like trying to stay in that moment <coughs> with her daughter. <coughs> but she recognizes that that little girl's not going to be a little girl for very long. That's a grief. So people deal with that. And it causes anxiety and depression and stress. And so how do you, how do you stay positive and optimistic that, you know, people talk about things are going to get better. What that kind of philosophy, we need to learn how to be present, present now, joy. Now we bring heaven here. Now we don't wait for, everything to you know get better it only gets better if we decide right now things are good yeah yeah and you start to expand that outward yeah freedom from grief isn't necessarily absence of it it's a matter of like instead of like things are going to get better it's like wait a minute how about we get better and then it doesn't matter if things get better yeah and most people you know i've I fall into this trap. We want to fill our lives with things that are temporary solutions. You know, like, oh, let's go on a trip, try to get our mind off stuff. Or, you know, uh, some people turn to substance abuse, uh, even though they don't think they're abusing. They're just trying to get rid of the pain. They're, they're trying to mask uh, it somehow, yeah. Yeah, they're masking it with with uh, alcohol and uh you know, marijuana and sex and pornography. And so 
there's all these things the devil wants to give you as antidotes and say, oh, you just need this. Go, you know, escape. Anything to detract, distract you and to help you escape. I think people that are grieving, we all go, we're all tempted by a lot of that stuff. When in reality, we need to try to recognize all of the, the light, all the good stuff we can be doing. Like, like, um, writing down your thoughts in your journal processing instead of instead of trying to heal your brain with substance or some other thing you want to try to process everything you're thinking you instead know, of just trying to like to like like kind of hide under the covers basically from the monster under the bed it's like let, let, let's talk about it process it internalize it figure it out instead of just trying to slap a band-aid on it and hope it'll go away yeah, because it won't. You're amputated is what it is. It's like you've lost half your body and you can't get it back. You still feel like they're there sometimes. I remember a guy in uh, Hamilton when I was up in Canada. Uh, oh, it must have been like three or four years ago, possibly. Maybe not quite. Uh, if you listen to this, Dave Davies, thank you for this moment. But... <laughs> I was talking to him one night about what was going on with Lorraine up there, and I, I, uh, I had told him. I had told him recently that, like, maybe a few days prior, I was like, "Man, I just get. I think I'm just so tired of being sad and lonely all the time. That at that point, at least, I mean, I had kind of, you know, gone through ins and outs of loneliness, you know, off and on and stuff with, you know, my own addictions and Lorraine's health problems and stuff. But at that point, at least in time, I was, I was telling him. I think right now I'm in a, I'm just in an emotional state where I'm, I just don't have the energy. I don't, I'm too tired to be sad and lonely. So the next right. step for my heart was, was just sadness. Like, and then my, my, the, the, the guy at the time I was uh, seeing for uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, he's like, well, you know, that's actually progress because if you're just, you're just sad, you're not numb, but you're just sad. That's actually a form of acceptance. You know, grief is different from sadness. Grief yeah. is something that you, it, just, it hurts so bad you want out right now. Sadness is, oh, wait a minute. I, I, am, I am like, I'm not happy, but I can accept what this is at least. And you can kind of move on from there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the point is time heals all wounds. But imagine if there was no time, everything will get fixed. Because with more, our mortal life, and I'll take this to another uh, level of thinking, our mortal life, we have so many years. And so we think, okay, we got to get this all done. We got to get this all wrapped up. But the, but the savior that I know, that I've come to really know uh, with a, a, a real clear study of, uh, you know, the first 11 chapters of Hebrews and uh, Galatians and Ephesians, Christ Christ is is saying to you, forget about time, because I he's saying I've got you, I'm gonna guide you, I'm gonna help you. You know, it's like imagine this mountain. You know, and Martin Luther King talked about we're all on the mountain, and we all want we're all ascending this mountain. But when you get to the top of that mountain, you look down and there's still a lot of people on the trail. Uh, shortly after I got a heart transplant and uh, was trying to do something to celebrate my brother, 
because while I waited for my heart transplant, and this is on, you know, I think we talked about this on your, uh, the other podcast I did with you, my brother passed away as a result of a mental illness. There was an accident, his life ended. Three months later, I got a heart transplant. I didn't have time to grieve him. And then I started to grieve him, but I wanted to celebrate his life. And so we decided to climb Mount Olympus up in Salt Lake. And this was six months after I had a heart transplant. I was down to like 85 pounds. Oh, geez. And I got my strength back the best I could. I practiced and practiced and practiced. When the day came, everybody was there to hike this mountain. It's like we were all coming to earth and we started to make our ascent and slowly everybody started to pass me. My dad stayed with me. My mom kind of went ahead, but eventually we passed my mom in our journey. And then we got maybe a fourth of the way when some of these stronger people came back down and said, yeah, we've already been to the top, but we didn't want to stay up there without you. We wanted to come it, down and get you. you. Know, it, that kind of reminds me um, about our, our uh, hike up to the Y and coming back down. Remember what we were telling people? Yes, and all the pain for the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> we had woken up early on a Sunday morning to go hike the Y, and, and uh, there was a few people that you were talking to on the way down. Oh, just telling them that they got it, or the, how many turns they had left. Well, either or. It's like, you only got this many left, you got this many left, and... And it's like, you know, I remember the one person, I was like, oh, I think it was a couple. Yeah, they asked if it was worth it. I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, thank you. Yeah, I was like, I think you were like about halfway down. And we told them, oh, you're, you're about halfway there. And they're like, really? Is it worth it? And yeah, Colette's like, it totally is. And, and you know, this is coming from, you know, she, she's walking yeah. down the trail and she's like, oh, my, my, my feet, oh, my feet. And, and then on the way up, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And I'm like, and, she, and she's saying, yeah, it's worth it. It's like, you know. See, that, that right there is the philosophy that I loved and accepted for, you know, like 40 years of my life. And then it dawned on me as I was reading about, the, about Christ in, um, I can't remember, I think it's uh, Matthew and where he's calling the apostles to come and follow him and just come on the journey and walk with him. And um, Christ, Christ knew what was ahead. He knew what he was going to be doing. But he made a lot of stops on his journey. And I used to live life thinking about a destination. Oh, I need to do this and this and this and this so I can inherit, you know, a celestial kingdom and be worthy to go there. And I've changed how I see things. Instead of going, there's this destination, I've altered to try to focus on what President Monson said, which is to have joy in the journey now. Mm-hmm. Because when we stop, we know there's a destination we have to go to. And when we say, you know, I need, I need God to help me. I need, I need to do this and this and this to get there. It's almost like we're defeating ourselves because we're not trusting God enough to bring us there. We're thinking we got to go there. Like the, the phrase he's you used provided there. The, 
the phrasing you use, I got it, I got it. Like, it's, no, you, you, it's like, he, you need to let him make you someone different. Yes, he will come to you. Uh, an example of this, and this is probably the worst case scenario that yeah. anyone could be and in. You just got to respond when he does come to you, yeah. Yeah, the worst predicament anyone could go through, Elizabeth Smart, as a kidnapped victim, you know, in that scenario where she was forced to be, uh, you know, a polygamous wife, she, um, abuse, even in that moment, she said, I could not escape God's love. She knew that she might be rescued, she might die. But in the moment, she says, I could not escape his love. What was she doing to access that love? She's doing nothing. She's a victim. The world is acting on her. She's helpless. God comes to her. So... I think sometimes in my life, like I, I was like trying to access God instead of just listening. Like the family that was coming down the mountain to talk to me, to help me, to encourage me. Um, I thought I needed to get up to them. I need to keep walking so I can catch up with the group. No, the group got up there and they weren't satisfied being in heaven. They came down to try to help those that were not yet up in heaven to achieve that. And the fact that they were there in that moment was heaven on earth. They brought heaven down. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you're saying. Yep. They brought it down. So I just trusted the process. Trusted the process instead of stressing out over the fact I'm not with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think of like, Lorraine, if you're listening on the other side, I hope you are happy about this. But one of her favorite songs she taught her vocal students, um, Miley Cyrus, The Climb. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, I mean, to be sure, yes, there is a destination. But like Brad Wilcox said, heaven will not be heaven, even if you get there, for those who have not chosen to become heavenly. You know, it's, it's something it's. I kind of wrote, I wrote a blog entry about it once, actually, that kind of idea, where I'm like, like I feel like um, the exalted person we can become is like a big coat that God, that Christ already bought and gave us. But the t- key is, it's, it's just too big for us. We got it. We just have to grow into it. And he can show us how to do that, right? We have to let him show us. And... So it's, I, I find it interesting that you mentioned that. So I like the analogy there because, you know, that's like regardless of whether you're in grief, whether like you, you mentioned with your brother before we started here, a lot of the stuff you've been through this last year, um, you know, it, the, I think the freedom from grief, the, the proving, if you will, um, as was mentioned in a recent conference, um, it comes when, uh, from both of our experience, you know, I, I guess, um, when you get to the point where it's like, I can accept the fact that I'm sad, and then, okay, Christ, how would you have me respond to this? And then, okay, good, now I can show you. Yeah, he definitely taught us because he cried with Mary and Martha, knowing Lazarus had died. 
and uh, their grief caused him grief and he just held them and uh, you know he he took he took a instead of preaching at that moment with those women do you remember he told the apostles come on guys he's just sleeping because he's trying to tell them that death is just sleeping so he was teaching them but when it came to those that were actually suffering he didn't preach he didn't teach he cried with them and i love that because uh i remember after i lost my brother everyone in the ward had so much to say but one person just came up and gave me a hug and walked off that meant more to me because we think we know what to say to people but nobody has the same experience because you are a unique individual they are a unique individual and as maxwell says god customizes the curriculum for each of us he brings people into our lives for reasons but your experience of losing your spouse is not the same as somebody else's experience losing a spouse so we need to have compassion yeah, Colette and I have been uh, reading Julie Lee's book, I See You, and she talks a yeah. lot about compassion. That one, have you read it? I haven't read that at all. Oh, that's a really good no. one. I think that's key, though, is compassion. That's a Christ-like attribute that, can, that you can fill your head with versus a substance that's just going to go right through your system. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, spiritual food versus the physical stuff that will damage the process so with on your journey like, like kind of the story we talked about with um i guess kind of seeing the process with uh like how you responded and how others responded once uh, you better passed um no sorry just for my own clarification you said like mental illness was involved like what what before i continue here what exactly happened yeah it's <clears throat> so brian uh my brother was uh, finishing up his PhD, when he when he got off his mission, uh, and he was doing his bachelor and master, he would have these mental breakdowns. And one doctor diagnosed him as bipolar. So you could see my illness, a heart problem, on an X-ray. You could not see his illness because we're we're still on the cutting edge of showing it in the MRI scans and the the brain waves and everything. But it's a real illness, uh, being bipolar, severe anxiety, uh, um, depression, and it's increased. Yeah, Asperger's, in they don't world. call it, they don't call it I have Asperger's anymore, I don't, I don't know what the term is now, but. I don't know what the term is, but, but yeah, he was, he was going back to Flagstaff, Arizona with his wife, who was pregnant, and they had their two-year-old, and he started to have an episode, a manic episode. They just passed uh, Colorado City. And that triggered him because he's a big defender of women. And it, it, the car, and, and they pulled over so she could get some Seroquel, some medication into him. And it was about 110 degrees that day, but he was hallucinating and having a fever. So he started stripping down. She called 911. Um, and the only people that could help that were police related were some truant officers from a small town in Saint in, in uh, southern Utah, and they showed up not in police uniforms, pulled out tasers, 
and shot him to the ground within 42 seconds. Wait, th- your, uh, your brother? Uh-huh. And then they shot him a second time, uh, and that killed him. That killed him. Why? Uh, Why did 50- they shoot him? Because he was, uh, because she called 911 and asked for some help to get her husband back in the car. When they arrived, they were not in a police car, they were not in police uniforms, and they started approaching the vehicle. So he was already having a hallucination. So he thought they were a threat to his family. So he started yelling. He, He started yelling at them to stay away from his wife and children and was yelling at him. And they thought he was high on drugs. His car had an Obama sticker. And uh, small town hurricane, <laughs> uh, where it's almost like everybody's required to have a gun. And, wow. Um, um, and I love hurricane. I've been down there a lot. I got I've done fire sites down there. I love these people. But there's a couple bad eggs down there. They made some really dumb decisions. They had not been trained how to use tasers. Apparently. And they, the second taser killed my brother, dropping him to the ground. And then the next day, Taser International said, don't use tasers over the chest. Aim for the abdomen um, to get people to the ground. And uh, my cardiologist, who understands electoral physiology of the heart, said if they had tasered him a third time, it would have started his heart like a cardio version. Whoa. Yeah. So he died right there. He was not able to be an organ donor. I was waiting for a heart. So it was a really horrible, horrible, horrible. Wait, so wait, was he going to be the donor? No, he had a different blood type. Oh, okay, okay. No, that, no, because to be a donor, you have to die. I oh, mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I mean, my, in my chest is the heart of a young man that uh, committed suicide. Wow. So. Dang. And it's a Mexican heart. So, you know, Mormons would say I am from the tribe of Ephraim, but I have the heart of Manasseh. <laughs> so I, I am literally uh, a Joseph guy, so. A what? A Josephite, I guess you would oh, okay. say. <laughs> wow. Man, okay, so that happens. You have, like, that one person who just kind of, as Julia Lee would say, shows, you know, kind of says to you with his hug, I see you. Um, and, okay, so what's the next step in, like, with the kind of the theme of, you know, I can do hard things and becoming free through those hard things. Um, how do you feel? Uh, it, uh, yeah, how do you feel the hand of Christ helping you become free from that kind of grief? It's taken years, and it takes time. Grief does not go away. It becomes less and less frequent. Changes shape. But the wave of grief comes and goes, comes and goes. Uh, Because we have survivor's guilt and grief. Death creates PTSD, post-trauma, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And we all have had serious trauma in our life. And one of the things I did was uh, some cognitive work because I believe, I'm a firm believer that God gives us knowledge to do these things. And Jesus uh, orchestrates through doctors, through medical people, uh, you know. um, And so so 
I just did a lot of work with the timeline. You draw your timeline and you look in your life. You you go through your life. This is why this is why journaling is so important. Any therapist will tell you to journal. Take your thoughts, what you're thinking, and and write them down. And you probably learned that in high school. The English teacher always says you write something. Yeah, That's because uh, they're teaching just... you how to process. But you basically want to process your pain. And that takes time of reprogramming your brain to be optimistic and hopeful and filled with joy. So does the world offer that? You can get some of that, but it's a temporal joy. It's a temporal happiness. There's temporal solutions. But when you, anybody that's in 12 steps for grief or for addiction or anything, that third step is to recognize that you cannot manage your life. You're not smart enough, even though when you're a teenager, you thought you could. <laughs> you're not smart enough in your older age because you're now humble and you're recognizing, I can't manage all this. And it's not the job of my spouse. I need to be healthy for my spouse. Um, and that, but your spouse. I'm going to share with you this really beautiful sure. quote. Um, this quote says, fall, fall, and Colette will ask you if you did this. Fall in love with someone who sees the wars within you and not only chooses to stay, but chooses to stand by your side and help you fight them. Absolutely. Because you probably listened a lot, but... I think the biggest challenge in marriage is listening and the biggest challenge for men is remembering. <laughs> uh-huh. Because yep, men yep, are always focused yep. usually on one or two things and women are focused on a lot of things. It's like that, that um, uh, what's that video that psych, that psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever it was, it was like, men's brains are boxes and women's brains are barbed wire. And if you see that it's one? It's true. But it's beautiful because the fact that we're not we're so different. We can help each other, but we need to recognize that we have to go through this battle. We can get love and support, but let's not put all that weight on the spouse. Put the weight on Jesus. You know, find a tree and go cry under the tree and go home and man up, which is not the easiest thing to do because our spouses need us to be strong. And it's okay to break down. It's okay to have those moments. God is there for us to help help us to get the strength we need. Um, no one's going to be Captain Moroni and just know exactly how to you know defend off the devil. But uh, we have all these experiences to kind of prep us for things. Yeah. But life just happens, and you yeah. can't really. It slaps you in the face so so many times that pretty soon you're like, oh this is getting obnoxious. <laughs> so, but as far as Christ, for me, music has been one of the biggest assets to help cope and deal by listening to a lot of good Christian music with positive messages, compose and create music. Um, yeah. Because but, it allows you to process whether it's writing or whatever, yeah. you know, like the, the the single I put out last year called Heart of the Lord, um, like the we you know how you were saying earlier with the whole 
idea of, you know, like your music is basically just your heart on the page. And, you know, that's, I mean, I, I wish I could collaborate with you, man. Like, because we'd get along great with our music composition. Like, that's exactly what I do. It's like, I take what I've felt from my time going through and recovering from trauma and addiction and loneliness and, and betrayal and all sorts of stuff. And the positive lessons God teaches me from it and turns me into, like, that's what I put on the page. It's no more complicated yeah. than that. Yeah, I think that's beautiful because, uh, you know, uh, there is a gentleman I know who's an author, uh, J.D. Netto, and uh, he has written a book called Before, uh, um, has written a book called The Broken Miracle, which is my story. He came to me years ago and said, um, people will not believe your story, so I want to write it. But through the process of writing... Um, he has this other thing called Saved by the Page, and it's a community of people who love to read and love to write books. And by writing books and reading books, it's helped them get their mind off grief, pain, depression, and it's prevented suicide. It's called Saved by the Page. And in writing the story of The Broken Miracle, um, he was able to process a lot of grief from his own life his own life by writing somebody else's story. And um, I've been writing music to kind of emphasize the power of that story, uh, The Broken Miracle. And then it's been a way for me to communicate through lyrics, because I'm normally just, you know, instrumental piano, Mm -hmm. but I have a lot to say. And so through lyrics with this album, I'm able to, it's going to be able to shed light on what I'm feeling Inside, because I guess it's more of a selfish project, because when you get like the hymns collection or, you know, my other stuff, it's all interpretive for you. But sometimes I need to say something so specific that I need words. Mm -hmm. And it can't just be a revelation of whatever God wants to tell you. I know you understand that a lot too, huh? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Music and words is how I, how I've overcome any of the hard trials um when i was uh feeling my in the darkest time um rob gardner's the his or on christ that whole thing yeah the lamb of god yeah well actually it's the one that it's the maroon title it's it it, all the songs are played on the lamb of god but um, yeah he, he did a performance here in provo my sister was in it and and I got the CD from her, and from then on, during that or, dark time... Oratorio? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Well, it might be. I mean, there's they're speaking, and then there's lots of singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. And then but yeah, yeah. Interpe- anyway, I'm not trying to... Anyway, um, I, got, I would listen to that and connect to Christ. And um, your song, One by One, also came in a time when... I needed it the most to reconnect. Oh yeah, Christ. Focus on Christ, and this hard time will pass, but I can get through it. Love that. Rob's written some beautiful music, and you know, music speaks to us in such a powerful, powerful way. You know, go back to the Old Testament. King Saul 
King Saul, you know, when he couldn't feel the spirit, he brought young David in. And this was before David killed Goliath. He brings young David in to play music for him. David was a rock star. I mean, he was a, played the harp. Everyone, I knew he was a sheep guy, but everybody knew who young David was. Um, and he would bring and play the music. And it talks very thoroughly that he would play songs of redeeming love and he would help the king of Israel feel God's spirit again because he had, um, some say, had, uh, you know, was too uh, arrogant and prideful to actually access mm. the love of God because he was relying too much on his own uh, aurora and personality and everything. So, mm. so, but yeah, music is so... That's why when, mm. you know, they did We Are the World. Mm. Well, it's they, that story you mentioned there, uh, the Old Testament there also reminds me of... Oh, I, don't, I wish I could remember the reference here. Um, but it's... I believe it's... It might, I, I hope I get this right. I think it was right after the temple had been rebuilt and those who had been around and, you know, been through so much, you know, captivity and freedom, captivity and freedom of the Israelite, Israelite nation, were, those who had been around the longest, were so happy to see this temple rebuilt that, and I, I, don't, I don't remember the exact wording, but I remember the verses. I, I can remember, I can picture it in my head, like the top left corner of the page. I have it highlighted <laughs> in my music color because yeah. it, it describes how they were singing so joyfully and so loudly. You could hear it for miles away. They didn't have megaphones or anything, but that's how happy they were. And it's just like, it's like, oh my gosh, vindicated finally after decades. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, the night of Christ, shortly before they went into the garden, when he introduces uh, the Last Supper, the, uh, the brethren, they all sang hymns, the women that were there. Mm -hmm. yeah, what's what's the phrase, did. something close, you might be able to correct me on this one, the phrase that goes something close to, grief cometh for the night, but joy cometh in the morning, or something, I forget what the verse, how it, how it goes. But, uh, joy cometh in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. joy yeah, so, so it's interesting. Yeah, they they were singing hymns because Christ, Christ became the temple. He became uh, the temple that was destroyed, and three days later he was raised as the temple. Um, and uh, you know the Bible talks about Christ being the temple today that we need to turn to and go to and uh, have a relationship with. Um, so yeah, I mean. Music's been a powerful weapon, and I think uh, just everybody who's listening, if you are going through a hard time, just put that song on. Rotate. Don't put a song on that's going to make you... Uh, you need a song to make you cry, and then find a song to make you just jump around as long as it's not YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I like the one, the pages, yeah, and written... Oh, the, 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 I want to say Natasha Bedingfield. Sure. I want to say that's yeah. it. Um, unwritten, I think, is the song. Yeah. The pens in your hand, pens in my hand, ending unplanned. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just giving hope that there is po possibilities after yeah. hard times. So, or in spite yeah. of. Yeah, life, life gets better. Mm -hmm. Life gets better, but 
I guess the challenge I think for all of us is to how do we be present in the moment? How do we endure in the moment so that we're not mistreating the people around us? Yeah. Uh, Instead uh, of fighting the pain, it's like just just ride it, you know, ride it while it lasts, and then the waves will go down. Someone will notice. You reach out to that will help, right? And then you be, you can become right. free from that grief. You really can. It's not just a matter of finding a way away from it. It's becoming free from it. That's right. You know, you mentioned the climb. Uh, Jesse Alexander wrote that song. Uh, Miley gets credit. Jesse wrote it for church. She wrote it for. So that was just a cover. Church. Yeah, it's just a cover. I mean, Jesse wrote it. Miley heard it in a church, and and converted it into that pop song. Um, and so you know, even look at Justin Bieber right now. My record label, we do uh, so we do a lot of Anthem Entertainment publishes uh, Justin Timberlake's music, and uh, uh, we do a lot of work with Beyonce and. Um, one of our main companies that they own is, is Timbaland's company, and Timbaland programs all the beats for for uh, Justin Timberlake and Jay Z and so many artists, um, Rihanna. Well, uh, and Justin Bieber is associated and connected there as well. And Bieber has sincerely been seeking a stronger relationship with Christ yeah, because he felt so about empty. That too, yeah. Yeah, and so this new song he has, Holy, 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 that is about the Savior, and it's a powerful piece of music, and it makes me happy, and I love listening to it, because I know he's sincere. I know, I have friends that sit with him in Bible study, and he's asking legit questions. Where do we go when we die? How can I avoid drugs? How can I be faithful to my wife? All the questions we all ask. Mm -hmm. How can we do this and do this? And he's sincerely asking. He just fired his pastor uh, because his pastor was um, admitted to his wife he had had an affair. So Justin wants goodness around him. And so even, even outside of what we're all familiar with and know, there are people by the millions desperately seeking the same peace from their grief yeah, I've seen and that. turning to Christ. So I, 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 to mention that, I, I've seen those, um, I don't know about anybody else's news feed, but on my Facebook feed, there's these little advertisements now about, you know, the secret Christians in China and North Korean stuff. Please send them Bibles or whatever, Middle East or wherever it is where Christians out, Christianity is outlawed and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're seeking too, you know. Huge deal. Yeah, and I mean, the church... Anyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ uh, is, is part of a church, um, and you have all these different members within the church. There's two mil- There's two billion. Uh, the church has two billion uh, followers, believers today, um, and that's two billion people who know of a source, God, Christ, who can help benefit and uh, strengthen their lives during the most difficult challenges of their life and yet we see Islamic people and and <clears throat> Hindus and um, Buddhists who are very content in their grief because they have a belief system they're not trusting themselves they're trusting a higher power they do believe in God yeah, Isaiah and God's 55. ability to, to help them that's great, that's right 
So, yeah. yeah. The only difference is, you know, we, Jesus, uh, Christ is our, is our God and we want, we, we want him to be the God for everybody. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's a, that's between him and, between him and them. Yep. And his, and his children. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Paul, thank um, you so much for yeah. everything, dude. This has just been great. <laughs> Perfect, perfect timing, perfect timing, because my wife's about to get here, so oh. <laughs> thank you, yeah, awesome. yeah, thank you guys so much, if anybody has questions or concerns, or yeah, yeah. shoot me an email hey, so on Facebook. For the, the album that's coming out, where can people find it? Oh, go to thebrokenmiracle.com, you can pre-order the book on Amazon, uh, but thebrokenmiracle.com, and that's where we'll, at, well, my website, paulcardall.com, cool. so... You know, and ask Alexa and Siri about me. <laughs> they, they're working hard for me. <laughs> Funny the side note before I here, I actually looked up. Hey, who's the voice for Siri? It's like, wait a minute. More people should know who that is, because that's fun. It's it's not Ivanka. No. <laughs> really, it's not. Uh, <laughs> anyways, anyways, yeah. Hey, well, it's very good to be with you guys. Yeah, likewise, Paul. Maybe we'll have to do this again sometime in the next few months or whatever. We'll figure it out. Absolutely. Season three. Have a great day, man. Hey, bye, guys. See ya. So, um, in addition to the other episode we'll be posting today, um, yeah, this one, <laughs> I feel like we're offering people, like, here's a double package, double whammy of light, and I love it. Hopefully it helps out a lot of people. So, um, yeah, this one... There's so many ways that I think Paul is able to relate to um, a lot of people, honestly, with um, his life experience. With what did he say? It was about to, that he got the heart of um, a guy who had committed suicide, and um, it was a, I think it was a Mexican heart. So his joke was during the episode was what was it something like? You know, the members of the church might refer to me as um, from the tribe of Ephraim with a heart of Manasseh. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, something, I think that's something else you mentioned too, if I remember right now. Um, finding a way to, you know, g- get out of the effects of grief with humor too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, finding the joy be a good cheer. Yep. And just learning to trust and knowing whom you can trust which is Jesus Christ exactly so I, something else I think was particularly interesting about this was when he mentioned um, this comes to me now actually when he mentioned how his brother um, was killed by those officers um, an interesting parallel I observe with that is that you know, like you know how he had said that one more tase would have restarted his heart um when you're going through grief, if you're one of the people who have a hard time with Christmas, like I did for 10 years up in Canada, you know, every Christmas season was just like one disappointment after another with Lorraine's health, with things with our relationship, maybe with loneliness, whatever it was, isolation. Um, like, so if you're one of those people who's going through that kind of thing this holiday season, I would suggest that you take a parallel from what Paul mentioned there with his brother. Let Christ be that third taser for you. Let him be that third jolt that brings light and love to your heart. 
Um, there's a, a song we're going to be using later uh, this December with the podcast um, uh, to you know as one of the the Christmas episodes. Uh, and some of the lyrics say, talking as if talking to Christ, "You're still the hope of Christmas. He's still there. You know, regardless of what things look like, and." You know, there is ways that you can find to turn to him. Let him be that jolt that brings you back to life if you're, you know, missing that light in your life, to bring that light back to you. He is the source of that. So just something I thought that would, that's a good parallel with Paul said there with, you know, those who are feeling loss and, and loneliness with this year and things that are going on, really hard things going on. Let Christ be that jolt for you. For Christmas. Yeah. And and this year truly focused on the Lord and on what matters most. Um I believe this year has definitely been one of those years to kind of awaken in us what matters most. And it's like what, the song What Matters what, Most. Yeah. yeah and yeah. just like weed out what doesn't matter. Like um, what, when we were talking, when we interviewed with Portia and she recently had one of her articles posted in the Enzyme and, um, oh, and yeah, the, fact the December, that, uh, the November, is, December episode was, uh-huh. I think it was a December one. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. That was so good. So good. So good. And just, it just reminded me of that, that, that she was reminded to focus on what matters the most when her time in prison in that way we can do the same figure out what matters most and focus on that and just let everything else just go it jesus christ is what matters most our family was what mm-hmm. matters most it's like uh what other maxwell i think said love that guy <laughs> he was so good with so few words I mean, he's like if in the end you have not chosen christ it won't matter what you've chosen yeah. And like nothing else matters he matters and his light what he brings to your life so yeah and as we focus on what matters most and we, as we give thanks we'll be able to um, overcome and uh, be able to endure through uh, the hard times the grief the pain the and find joy in it too yeah and find joy because we know in whom we can trust and that's the lord and he will be there for us no matter what. I love that the, the verb find, that, 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 that word's a verb because it means action. And it's like, what can I do? Oh my gosh, everything's breaking and falling down around me in my life. It's like, what can I do? Do. Uh, oh wait, yes, there is something else you can do. You can find joy. There is action you can still take. You can find it. I promise you, it is there. You have not and cannot, as Elder Hans put it, sink lower than the saving light of Christ reaches. It's not possible. So it's just it's just a matter of finding it. Keep looking for it. So And it could be in the smallest thing like you got up this morning. Find joy in that. It's like oh hey, <laughs> celebrate. I, so it's like I, I did a thing. I got up out of bed. Yay I think that's good for twenty twenty. <laughs> that should be another twenty twenty meme. I got up out of bed. Isn't that good enough for this year? <laughs> so I mean yes, I mean that that hey I was happy that that happened one morning to me in London on my mission. I was like feeling this horrible, terrible, like paralyzing darkness. And I, what saved me is I rolled out of bed. And that was enough for me to reach the phone and call Sister Ashton. Sister Ashton, I felt darkness this morning. 
and it got me somewhere. Roll out of bed. Okay, that was a victory. Take it, you know. Find the small things. Do it, you know. So. Yeah. Anyways, so I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Um, if you found light and life in it for you, something to help you become free from grief, um, even for these small moments, please go and click that uh, follow button on paulpulsifer.podomatic.com. Uh, share this with family and friends, please, all you can, especially this time of year where people need um, tips to you know, break out of that funk that this year has brought to so many people. Um, written reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook are great, quite helpful, please. Um, and as always, uh, especially this Christmas season, focus on Christ and remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer. And Colette Pulsifer. Have a good day.